of the book of Acts in the first four verses. It goes like this. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. And the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. But select from among you, brethren, seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may, be, whom we may, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. At the conclusion of a worship service at the First Baptist Church in Stanford, Texas, a number of years ago, by prearrangement, before the minister could uh, call on someone or did call on someone for the benediction, a man stood and, and cried, Pastor, I'd like to call this uh, church into emergency conference. I have a problem I'd like to consider. And, and the pastor was a part of the plot, and so he did. And by prearrangement, another man stood and said, I move that the office of deacon in this church be discontinued, and that the men who are now serving as deacons be dismissed from their duties. And uh, no small stir began. And for two hours that church debated, of course, in a church in <clears throat> with a great deal of problems, debated and confronted the question, do we really need deacons? That's a big question. In a time when the church um, has its, uh, there's such a sophisticated uh, program of, of life and, and work, and where we have multiplicity of staff, does the church really need deacons? And to that question, there is an emphatic yes from me. As then, so now. As a matter of fact, I don't think that is really the, the big question. I think there is a larger question than does the church need deacons. The larger question is, what kind of church needs deacons? And what kind of deacons does the church need? And I think the answer to those two questions are found in this text. What kind of church needs deacons? Well, a church that is ministering to the daily needs of its people. Now you're familiar with the fact that the first deacons uh, grew out of this controversy, this problem that existed between Hellenistic Jews, that is, those Jews who had a uh, Greek background, who spoke the Greek language, who lived in the Greco-Roman world, and those Aramaic Jews who spoke Hebrew, the native tongue, and who were largely from the country of Palestine itself. And in the Church of Jerusalem, these two kinds of Jews worshiped together and they felt there was some discrimination going on that the pure Jews, the widows, were being cared for more greatly and better than the 
Hellenistic Jews. And we all have made a great deal about that, that problem, about that controversy, that dispute. Let me, let me show you something. The, that dispute is really not the greater issue here. When we, when we make a big deal out of the dispute, we fail to recognize the fact that they were being cared for by the church daily. That's the greater issue. That they did have a ministry and a program within the church where they even fed people on a daily basis. And I think that's the greater issue. And it seems to me that a lot of times problems arise out of the fact that we're doing something. If we weren't doing anything, we'd never have any problems. So the church that needs deacons is a church that really is reaching out in ministry. Does the church that just wants a board of directors to make executive decisions does not need deacons. Secondly, it's a church that gives priority to the serving of the Word, to the ministry of the Word. You, you can see that, of course, immediately. And there are two orders that emerge here in that New Testament church. There is the order of those who serve the Word, and then there is the order of those who serve the tables. And the first order and the first priority, the greater order is the order of those who serve the Word. Now it is to serve the tables, that is to minister, is high and holy. And it's good, it's just not the best. The first priority of any church ought to be the declaration of the Word. A couple of years ago, I made a rededication to what I was about and to what my most important responsibility was here in the church. I made a rededication, as Ben has shared, he, he did on the first of this year. I made a recommitment to my role, my task, to a deeper commitment to an exposition of the Scripture here in this church. And so four times on Sunday and one time on Wednesday and one time on Friday, you're going to hear me as best I can with an exposition of the Word. And sometimes it seems to me that the, when the deacons are really doing what the deacons were meant to do, they're contributing to that fact in the sense that they engage the privilege to the pastor to study and to pray. What kind of church needs deacons? Churches that are committed to the first priority of the declaration, the exposition, teaching of God's Word. What kind of deacons does the church need? Well, the word deacon itself gives us some kind of clue because the word means minister. As a matter of fact, if you trace that word back to its taproot, it means to stir up the dust. And it's the picture of a servant in his haste to do his master's task that he kicks up dust behind him. He not only does it, he does it with haste. Notice four things that are said about these men. First, they are men, he said, from among you. It means two things. I'll hurry. It means that these men were Christians. They were from among this fellowship, this, this new way, this new species of being. It was called Christian, first at Antioch, the church. Of course, it's almost superfluous to say it that, that that deacons are Christian men. From among them means that they are 
There is unity of theological thought and theological belief. We, we believe the same things. It means that, but it means something else, I think. It means that there are men that, that relate to men. There are folks that relate to folks. Listen to me. I believe that there, has, there is too wide a division between the so-called laity and the so-called clergy. Too wide of a division. And I think in some cases there is too wide of a division between deacons and so-called laity. Let me say it with tender toughness, men. When the church selected you as deacon, they didn't move you up to a higher strata being. They didn't put you up on another rung from the rest of us. You are called out from among us just like us. Secondly, they were men of good reputation. That good report is the word. It means good word of witness. A man about whom there was good said. You remember when Paul wrote Timothy and said, let not man despise your youth. He didn't mean that Timothy was to charge men not to despise his youth. Rather, he was saying to Timothy that he was to see to it that his youth was not despicable. He was to see to it that he was not a man that men could despise. These men about whom, uh, these men who were selected as deacons were, were men about whom it was said excellent things because they were men of excellent things. They were third men full of the Holy Spirit. It means that they were consumed in every part, thoroughly permeated with the Holy Spirit of God. It means to be wholly yielded to Him, to be under His direction, to get our direction from Him. It means that when you speak in deacon's meeting, you speak only under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And they were men full of wisdom. There are two New Testament words for wisdom. The word here is the word Sophia. It's never used in the New Testament except of God and of good men. And it's kind of a moral wisdom. It's kind of a moral understanding. You understand? It suggests that, that there is a kind of a sanctified common sense among these men. They are men who reach the best ends by the, by the best means. They have, a, they have the mind of Christ. This is the kind of church that needs deacons. This is the kind of, these are the kind of deacons that this church needs. And so I recommend that now we lay our hands on them and set them apart to the work of deacon. Gentlemen, would you kneel here? One of our dear deacons who has served here for years and years will come and lead our prayer, and then um, we'll pass by and lay hands on these men. Ben Murray, come lead our prayer. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, we thank thee for this opportunity to come to thy house to partake, to participate in this ordination service. And, O oh, Father, we thank thee for these men of God. We pray that their daily lives will reflect their lives and their love and concern for thee. And, O oh, Father, we pray for their family. We pray that you'll fill their hearts with the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, above all, we thank thee for thy Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, that we, may, that we may not perish, but have everlasting life. In his name I pray, amen. Always having a weight on her. Just nonchalant, just loose, you know. And, and I remember, you know, when she was a kid in, in grade school, uh, my, the church where I was preaching in Iowa Park was pretty close to the grade school. We just had one car, so I'd go pick her up after school. I'd be sitting out there, you know, anxious to get on with my work and busy and have appointments so I got to keep. She'd come out the door just sauntering along, you know. And, and she'd talk to some buddies, you know, for a while. And she'd stop and watch people playing, you know. And I'd be sitting 200 yards away just fuming. She'd just sauntering along there, taking her easy, good old easy time. And I'd jump on her, you know, and scold her and grass never changed. And what I perceived when I was sitting out there in the car fuming was that her delay was an indication of her unconcern for my feelings. That really wasn't it. The delay of God in the solution to the problem is not an indication of his concern, nor is it his denial. It just means that God's operating from a different time perspective. He, he, he works from a different watch. A thousand years with him as, as a day. And a day with him is as a thousand years. In fact, if you notice in this passage, it says that the solution hastens toward the goal. It means that he is anxious to vindicate the righteous. And he stands on tiptoes, anxious to bring solutions to our screams for help. He just works from a different time perspective. And there seems to be a contradiction for it. It says in one verse, if he tarries, wait. And then the next verse says, he will not tarry. The best way to translate that is, he will, it will, that is the solution, will not not come. You got his word on it. If you read uh, War and Peace or saw the movie, if you endured the movie or saw, read the book, Leo Tolstoy in that book has a scene in which they're preparing for a battle the next day. Prince Andre is there and he's uh, getting the troops together and he's preparing them for the battle that's going to occur the next morning, going over battle strategy and, 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 and the battle plan. The czar is there, and the czar is unfolding maps and folding maps, and they're going over this battle strategy. 
And the prince looks at the czar and asks, What about the battle? Will we win? And the czar thinks for a moment and replies, I think no. And it rocks him back on his heels. And the prince says, You think no? We'll not win the battle? What's going to happen to us? And the czar said, We don't count battles. The only battle that counts is the last one. Now you and I are going to lose some battles along the way. That's for sure. We don't count battles. The only battle that counts is the last one, and we're going to win that one. Because you've got God's Word on it. And so you need to remember that when you confront those things that seem to be an indifference of God or when you see a response that you, cannot, that you did not expect or when you run head on in to the unhurried pace of a God who works from a different watch. Let's pray. Now, Father, put it all together and call us to a faith that continues because I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Look here. There are three kinds of invitations. The first invitation is an invitation to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now there is a question that has an answer. The question is, how can God be just and justifier? I mean, how can He remain just and justify the sinner? The answer is, through the blood of His Son, so that God, placing our sin upon His Son, makes it possible through our faith in what He did to be just and justifier at the same time. Mystery of mysteries. Would you like to come this morning? Would you not come this morning? Place your faith in Jesus Christ if you've never trusted Him for the first time. Maybe you need to come this morning and place your life in the church where the victory, the battle is being won across this world, is being won among the people of God who meet for prayer and worship. Join us. Or to come today to say, I've made a decision that I'm going to walk more closely with the Lord, more committed to Him. I'm going to take those steps that will make it possible for me to be all that God wants me to be. While we stand to sing, we invite you to come as the choir leads our song.